Good evening. This is uh, Wednesday, August 31st. We have been uh, in the book of James, read through the end of chapter 2. Last Wednesday, I'm pretty sure, we went all the way to the end of it, uh, at least reading it, maybe not getting really into it. But the last couple illustrations in the book of, uh, well, in the, se- in the second chapter of James, there's two illustrations, one about Abraham and how you, he was uh, called justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, upon the altar. And then we see down in 25, it says, Likewise also was, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Now, this is pretty significant. Now, remember what I said last week. The word justified doesn't mean that salvation experience, okay? Now, when we uh, get into the Word of God, you, you know, I highly recommend that you read every day, at least something. And when you open up the Word of God, a really good idea to pray for understanding. Pray that the Holy Spirit will help you with what you're reading. And so I think we should do that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have come together to learn your word. Father, to hear it, to see it. And Father, we we know that your word is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, it gets down inside of us and separates our spirit from our soul. Father, your word is amazing. And Father, many people have tried to prove it wrong over the years, over many, many years, and no one has ever been able to do it. Father, things that have been... Just unexplainable years gone by have, over time, has been found out by just time, by discoveries. It always turns out to be true, whether we understood it or not. And Father, we are thankful for your word. And as we get into your word today and we read it, that it gets into us, that it changes us. Father, you have given us many blessings And Father, you have given us many trials and temptations. And Father, how we handle all of those things is is just showing what kind of character we have. And Father, we welcome those rough times and we welcome those great times. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us will pass the test, that we will believe on you and that we will be overcomers. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So knowing the, knowing the words, what words really mean, and there's been a lot of people, a lot of different uh, churchy people, different denominations that will take certain words and make something out of them that they're not. And um, when you see a word like justified, so people will... People, I was trying to explain it last week, and I don't know if, I made, if it made sense or not, but 
you hear in religious talk, you hear justified, sanctified, and glorified. All right? So when, when you are saved, you have been forgiven of the penalty of sin in your life. When you are walking your spiritual walk in the process of it, living the Christian life, you have been delivered, whether you know it or not, you have been delivered from the power of sin in your life. So, the penalty of sin was taken care of the moment you believe on Jesus Christ. The power of sin in your life has been taken care of as well by what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in you, and then that one day in the future when you die, as a child of God, you will go to be in His presence, and then presence of sin won't even be there. So you have the penalty of sin, you have the power of sin, and then there's going to be one day when you won't even have the presence of sin. You'll be totally free from it when you're in glory. So people will attach a word like justified, and they say that means being saved. Not necessarily. It doesn't mean being saved. It's, there's people who will say that they are children of God. They say that they are born-again Christians, but yet you watch how they live their lives, and it doesn't match up with what they're supposed to be doing. And we call them hypocrites. Uh, they, put a, they just really make a bad name for true Christians in good churches. We've got a whole lot of bad churches out there. We don't need any more bad ones. So if you, if you, if you read that verse about Rahab, it says, Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? Well, if the word justified means being saved, then there's a work salvation right there. You, are you, you understand what I'm saying? Very important that you get that. That would be a work salvation, and that is impossible. You can never, ever do anything to get salvation as far as a work. But when you do get true salvation, the works will follow, and it will prove or justify what has happened. Okay? Now, remember... When you see something in Scripture three times, pay very close attention. It's got really important me meaning to it. This person, Rahab, she is... She may even be in there four times, but there's three main times that Rahab is actually talked about. She's mentioned here in James, and that's, that's really impressive that James would mention Rahab in his epistle. Isn't it? That's pretty cool. James mentions Rahab. She was a pagan. She was a very, uh, what we would call a very bad person in her city. She was a harlot, which means she was a prostitute. Got it? Okay, if you turn just a few pages backwards to Hebrews 11, just keep, well, you don't have to hold your place. I don't even know if we're going to go back to James. So if you turn just a little bit back, 
just a few pages in your Bible, and my Bible is three pages, you'll come to Hebrews 11, which the chapter 11 of Hebrews is that hall of faith, listing of all those people who, by faith, by faith, by faith, this person did this, this person did that. And when you get over to verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Now, that's where Rahab lived. Rahab lived in the wall of Jericho. There was two walls in Jericho that surrounded the whole city. There was, the exterior wall was about six foot thick and probably 30 foot high. Then there was a space between that ex exterior wall to another wall that went all the way around, and it was more like 12 foot thick and 30 foot high. They were even on top. And then the walls were built to where you could live inside of them. And Rahab, from what I understand, she lived in an, uh, an addition that got put in between the two walls. They put coverings on them. And, and people back in that time, they did a whole lot of hanging out on the rooftops because the sewer systems of cities weren't the greatest. There were animals all over the place. And you needed to get up out of all the dust and the smells and all the, all the loud, and you could go up and get on top and get some fresh air. And uh, things were better up there. And just imagine how wide that was. It's a really, really wide wall. And think about the walls of Jericho. How could you get through those walls if you were the nation of Israel being told that you needed to conquer that city? So in 31 of Hebrews 11, it says, this is a verse about Rahab. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now let's go to Joshua. Joshua, way over in the Old Testament. Now you know where Joshua is. It's right after Deuteronomy. Remember that there's five books that Moses wrote. And you should know that Moses died in Deuteronomy. He, he dies at the very end of that, not allowed to go into the promised land. Joshua has been, has been following along. I've got to make sure I'm saying the right things. So what's that? Okay. So Joshua has been hanging out with Moses for many years. And... He has learned so much. Now he has been put in charge of taking the nation of Israel through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Now I'm going to be reading out of Joshua chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Because we're going, to, we're going to get to know this Rahab character a little better. And Joshua the son of Nun, that doesn't mean he had no parents. Joshua the son of Nun, sent out of, of Chittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house, or a prostitute 
house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in, in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went I wot not, Pursue after them quickly, for that for ye shall... So she's telling the king, she's made up this whole story. You're not supposed to lie. People will say, there are people who are so legalistic in their being, they're just religious and legalistic, and they say they can't tell a lie. If you were protecting Jews back in the early 1940s or the late 1930s, and the Nazis came and busted into your house, and you had some Jews hidden in your house, and they asked, do you have any Jews here? I can't tell a lie. Yeah, they're right over there under that bed. Use some common sense. Please use some common sense when you are reading the Bible, and telling people what it all means. So she says, look, uh, yeah, they were there. They, uh, there came men unto me, but, but I, I don't know where, where, they, where they were. And it came to pass about the time. So she said, all right, so they went out, and you need to send people quick, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. So, you know what a ford is. That's the shallow places where you could get through. If you try to go through the Jordan in many other areas, you are gone. Because it was, if you, if you do any studying on that, 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 it was really the river of death, I think is what it actually means, the, why they named it that. If you look at a map, a topographical map of how all that is laid out, and the, and the Jordan starts way up, way up in the north, and it, and it goes, I guess it goes right through the Sea of Galilee. And then, if you look at the uh, altitudes... How, what, how far above sea level it is, and then how quick it goes below sea level. And by the time it gets to the Dead Sea, it is the lowest place on planet Earth. As far as dry ground areas, you know, places you could go to, it is the lowest place on Earth. What's the highest place on Earth? We just talked about it recently. Mount Everest, right? It's the highest place on Earth. The Dead Sea would be the lowest place. All that rushing water. So, but the elevation means that that water moves really, really fast in most areas. That's why it was such a significant thing for the nation of Israel when Joshua finally leads them through, that the waters are parted and stood up, 
and they all walked through. And it was actually at flood stage when they did that. It was impassable. No way you could get through. Okay, so at this point, there's the fours. They, they're able to get away. And as soon as they, which pursued after them, were gone out, they, sh they uh, shut the gate. And before they were laid down, they came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. This is what Rahab is saying to the two spies. She says, I know. We, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. This is amazing. This, this is not a chosen person. This isn't, this isn't somebody from the nation of Israel. The people of Israel, they were the chosen people. And if you go back, just recently, on a Sunday, we were talking about the fiery serpents coming in and biting everybody, and many, many people of Israel died. If you go back and you look at what they did and, and how they murmured against God, complained about so many things. They were pretty pitiful. But yet you got this pagan woman in Jericho, a very, very sinful city, and she was a prostitute in that very sinful city, and she's got more faith than the people of Israel just by what she's heard. She's heard about these things. It, you know, and, I, and I am amazed absolutely amazed at people in this world, people that I know, people that are pretty smart, that believe some of the most crazy lies. I mean, believe some of the stupidest things, are, are convinced to be scared to death of things that aren't even really happening. But yet, you can tell them about Jesus, you can tell them about what's in the Bible, and they just totally ignore it. So willing to believe lies, but yet you got the one truth that you can really hold on to, and they don't want anything to do with it. Blows my mind. So this is what she heard, verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites and that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Rahab's preaching a good message here. This is, this is a sinful woman that has heard about God, and she is convinced that, that for the Lord, she said, the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. You know what she's, she's wanting? She, she's wanting to be able to say, not just the Lord your God, She's getting really close to where she can say, uh, the Lord, my God. Now therefore, I pray you, swear unto me 
by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Now, do you have anything that you can give to somebody? A token when they're asking about why should I believe? Why, why should I be into this uh, Bible thing here that you're trying to get me to listen to? Do we have a, a token we can give? 13. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when... Now, he's done mentioned a whole lot... She has mentioned a whole lot of people. Uh, all her family. She's thinking about everybody that she loves. And he said, they said back to her, If you, Rahab, and anybody you tell about all this... Because she's going to have to witness to her family. She's going to have to tell them the story, and she's going to have to tell them what they get re they're getting ready to say. So they're saying that, Miss Rahab, you and your sisters and your father and your mother, all these people that you're going to be telling us to, if you people can keep this a secret, not tell what's going on here, utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let down, oh no, then she let, let them down by a cord through the window. For her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. So this is a very strong rope. It's not, when you see the word thread, it don't think the thread that we use to sew up something, to sew a button on a shirt. This is a rope, and it's a scarlet rope. And they say, if, if you will leave this scarlet rope, if you'll put this out, the same rope that you've let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee, and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless, and whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him." And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. She just left it there. She, she said, Well, I know they're coming back. I know they're going to destroy us. They just gave me this token, red scarlet, rope 
which represents the blood of Jesus Christ, the scarlet. Remember the Passover lamb? The nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt. They've been there very, very long time. Over 400 years they've been there. And they were told to take the little lamb, innocent lamb, and to cut it, drain its blood into a bowl, and then to prepare that lamb, cook it, eat it, and then that bowl of blood, you took the hyssop and you painted the doorpost and the lintel. And when the death angel came over Egypt, when he saw the blood, he would pass over. We, and I, I can't remember what day it was, Sunday, last Wednesday, whatever it was, I was talking about that whole Passover deal. And I talked about how you didn't have to have a whole lot of faith. You could be somebody who, I, made, I, I gave the example of the one family that might have been uh, just talking it up like it was, yes, that's what we have to do. Moses told us to do this, and yes, we got to do it, and it's going to work, it would work, but yet they never actually got up and painted the blood on there. But yet the person in the other house might have th been thinking, this is, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Why would we paint blood on the doorpost? This makes no sense. But he's looked over at his son, the firstborn son, and, you know, if I don't do this, they say he's going to die. I love him. I'm, and he goes over and he paints it anyway, even though he really doesn't have a whole lot of faith in it. So we need to ask ourselves, Jesus is, he came down to this earth. He was God in the flesh. And he came down here, he walked this earth, he was born of a virgin, and then he was tempted in all points like we are. He walked this earth, never sinned. A lot of people didn't like him. Think about it. If you grew up in a house, all of his brothers didn't want to believe on him. They all just didn't, believe, they just didn't like him. Why? Because he never, ever got in trouble, and they were jealous of him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't stand him. He was messing up their way of doing things. They were very self-righteous, and Jesus would go to the down-and-out people. They criticized him for eating with the sinners. And Jesus ended up being violently taken. He was falsely accused, and he was hung on a cross and he shed his blood. So what we need to really ask ourselves, whether we have a lot of faith or not, is the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts? It's that simple. Is the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts? Because if it is not, when the death angel comes, you're in bad shape. But... If God sees the blood, you're awesome. You're, you're, you're in great shape. But God's got to see the blood. We must be hid in Christ. We're at 22. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the Pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. 
So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. What do you think? Rahab. She was somebody that most of us would have never thought had any chance of any kind of salvation experience. But she's mentioned by James. She's in the book of Hebrews in the faith chapter. We've, we've seen this story here. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. You know, Rahab, because when, when, the, when they went in and destroyed the city, because that red rope was hanging out of her window, anybody that was inside of her house lived. Everybody else in the city died. So she ended up marrying a Jewish person named Salmon. Salmon? I don't know if it was Salmon or Salmon, but it's spelled Salmon. And then they had a son named Boaz. Boaz married, we just, I just did a sermon on Ruth. Ruth was a Moabitess. A Moabite person from, that's a bad area. So we got Rahab, who came out of Jericho. Ruth marries Boaz. They had what, Jesse? Obed. And then Obed had Jesse, and then Jesse had King David. And you just follow the line. So when you go to the uh, genealogy in the, in the Gospels, you will see Rahab in the lineage of Christ. You see Ruth in the lineage of Christ. You, you see Bathsheba in the lineage of Christ. And you go way back, you see Tamar in the lineage. She, she, how that happened way back then is amazing. You, you cannot... Everything was wrong there. There's no way it was going to work for her but yet it all worked, and she's in the lineage of Christ, Tamar, way back in Genesis. So what you need to see is there are people that religious people would never pick, but God picks them. That's why I don't care for, I don't think I want to go there, but there's certain, certain people that we can... We can uh, we disagree with as far as uh, doctrine and there are so many examples throughout the word of God that show us that I've mentioned several of them already that show us that we make decisions we have to hear and either reject it or believe it and we live in a world where crazy things can happen. Have, have you ever heard people say, uh, well, if it's my time to die, I'm going to die. They'll say that. They'll say, well, you know, it, it's, 
You know, if it's not my time, then I'm not going to die. I, most everybody that has said that to me, they're not true believers. I, I'm just saying that that's what I've noticed. There are people who know that you... So what I'm getting at is I'm, I'll be around somebody, they find out who I am and what I'm about, and they'll say things like, um, well, God knows all, and uh, it, you know, if it's not your time, it's not your time. A lot of people with, with the whole COVID thing, and they, they, they would say, well, if it's my time, it's my time. And, 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 I'll, and I'll, if it's my time to die, I'll die. So why would you wear a seatbelt in your car going down the road? Why would you, there's so many things that, you know, why would you eat a really good diet? You, 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 you're getting in, you have health problems, things are happening, and, and the doctor said, well, you really need to cut this, that, and that. Uh, you know, I, I used to tell people, the guys at the jail, they would ask me all kinds of crazy questions like, is it wrong to eat pork? And I'm like, no, it's not wrong. In fact, if you eat it every day, you can go to heaven quicker. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 7.17 says, Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? You can die way before your time. There are people who, uh, who made a commitment to Jesus and they're living a Christian life and God has called them to certain things and they've turned and they're not doing what God called them to do. They're maybe getting into a life of sin. And if that person was truly born again, not just a mere professor of faith, but an actual person has truly been converted, and then they start to do things against God, God takes notice, and He will chastise that person to get them back in line. And if they don't turn, and they keep going that way, multiple things will happen. Different, there's a list. And when it finally gets down to the bottom of that list, God will kill them. Why? Because if you don't continue in the faith, then you would not be a believer anymore. I, I just read a verse that says, if... This just past Sunday, probably. You know, if you continue in the faith, then you're good. But if you, you, you're, you become a backslider, and even worse than a backslider, I believe that at the very end, God will do all kinds of things to keep you, and then when you get to the point where you're actually going to deny Him, He might kill you before that happens. Um, if you just live in this world, there's all kinds of things that could kill you early. And you can argue about, well, God knew. I, I'm, not getting, I'm not going there. God knows all, but I've, I see God in the Bible where he got very angry at people for doing things. Why did he get so angry if he already knew they were going to do it? I, I, I'm more in line with saying that God knows that if you don't obey, bad things are going to happen. If you do obey, He knows good things are going to happen. 
but he and he can know everything for sure. He can definitely know everything, and he could make you do everything the way he wants you to do them. He could. People say, well, if God's really there, why would he allow all these bad things to happen? When the, when the world, I think it was when the World Trade Centers went down, and it was that famous reporter, Channel 7, I think, might have been Kirk, I don't know. She was asking Billy Graham's daughter, I believe it was Billy Graham's daughter, was asking her, how could a loving God allow all this terrible to happen? And uh, the daughter of Billy Graham said, well, when you push God out of everything, why do you expect him to protect us? And the reporter didn't have anything to say to that. So she was one of the ones who was very into pushing God out of everything. Now here is Ecclesiastes 9.11, Listen to this very closely. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the, just talking about running, the race is not to the swift, so it basically means this, this, this life we live is not a sprint, it's a distance, distance run. And I'll be getting a text here in a minute to see how well Anna did in her distance run. I don't have it yet. Nor the battle to the strong. Just because you're the strong man don't mean you're going to win the battle. You know, the one that's got a little bit more smarts might, might take you out. Neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Do you know that's in the Bible? Time and chance happeneth to them all. And it just happens to be 911. Something bad could happen to you at any time. You might need to call 911. Verse 12 For man knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. There's people who drive down 81. When they got up that morning and left to go to work, they had no idea that when they were coming home, they were going to die. They just happened to be in the wrong spot. When all the traffic started backing up in the curve and the big tractor tra trailer comes down behind it and didn't know everything was stopping and runs over two cars and kills both the, both the drivers. It can happen just like that to any one of us. Are we ready to die and to go to that judgment seat to find out where we're going for eternity? Are we ready? Are we going to be a people like Rahab and hear the good news of the gospel? Hear how mighty God is? Are we going to hear it and believe it and act upon it? Or are we just going to turn and just do what we've always done and then get, and take, get taken out and then wish after we're dead that we would have made a better decision while we were alive? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we ask that you would put these words into our mind and in our hearts and that because we have heard your word, that we will be different, that we will make better decisions and, Father, we would make the best decision ever and turn to you to look to Jesus on the cross in our spot where we should have been, all of our sin placed on him. Father, he went there willingly. He died for us, and we are so grateful for that. Father, I pray that everybody would look to Jesus. Look at him suffering on the cross. And Father, that that we would believe that he was put in a grave, that he went down into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, and he came back up, he was resurrected. And Father, that he is now at your right hand interceding for us. Father, I pray that we all believe it with all of our heart and that we would be truly born again and destined to be with you forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.